I'm excited to be here because one of my favorite things to do is just to encourage moms in any way I can, whether that's on the topic of homeschooling or motherhood or just uh, being a Christian woman. So I'm thankful that you're here today. I know there's a lot of people you could listen to um, at any point in time, and I'm grateful and I feel honored that you chose to spend time listening to what is on my heart and what's on my guest's heart today. Um, we all know that research and studies are revealing that more of our kids' learning can and should happen any place other than a desk and the four walls of the classroom or our homes. This is the beauty of homeschooling. We can get our kids out out of that um, confined environment, and we can even, even within our environment at home, we can get them moving because we have the freedom to let our kids mo uh, move and experience life through all of their senses. And we find out very quickly that when we do this, learning happens so much more easily and naturally because God created our kids to learn this way. In my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, I share our own family's experiences. And now, 24 years later and uh, six graduates later, I can tell you that allowing our kids to learn in a way that is natural to them will save you and them a whole lot of stress and unnecessary burdens. It will allow you to actually enjoy these homeschooling years and best of all, raise lifelong learners. I am really super excited about my guest today. Heather will be sharing from a wealth of experience and knowledge. And also, just a little side note, you need to know that she was also homeschooled. So we are hearing from her perspective from both places as a homeschool alumni and a mom of four kids. Heather's background in neuroscience alongside her voracious love of learning and fascination with how kids learn has fueled her uh, both her own family's learning adventures and um, it's been her desire to equip other families as well. Recognizing the brevity of childhood and the power of a parent's influence, Heather both inspires and equips families toward intentional parenting, pursuing God, and delighting in the adventure of learning. She's the author of the book, Nights in Training. Some of you might have heard of that. It's 10 Principles for Raising Honorable, Courageous, and Compassionate Boys. She's also written The Ultimate Brain Breaks and now Go Global. It's a literature-heavy literature, literature heavy movement-rich learning adventure. And we'll be touching actually probably on all of these topics that she's written about today because really they're interwoven. But our main focus, um, Heather, will be on your latest project, Go Global. I'm so grateful that you're here today. Thank you for joining us. Well, I am so excited to get to talk to you today. I, I think I've never actually met you in person, but we've connected a lot on Facebook Messenger and just sort of these different times along the way. And um, your heart just resonates so much with mine when it comes to homeschooling our kids and just sort of this um, this interest in how kids learn. I find it just absolutely fascinating as well. And I'm excited for you to bring your um, experience and um, knowledge and then this uh, great new resource for moms and, and sharing sharing it with all of us. But I love first to hear the story. Whenever I'm talking to people on my podcast, I always like to hear a little bit of the background story on what led you to create this curriculum for families. So, yeah, it was, um, 
it was a really roundabout way of getting there. When my kids were little, um, I was just in a community where there was a lot of academic pressure. Mm. Um, and I remember talking to my mom, and she did not feel this kind of pressure when we were little. Um, but now, I mean, when my kids were little, and it's just sort of amplified now, I think, because of social media and everything, there was just this pressure to get your kids reading. And so mm-hmm. when my oldest was two, there was like, oh, well, have you started teaching him his letters yet? And And I remember just feeling really unsettled with mm-hmm. this kind of pressure going, something's off here. This this just does not seem right. And my background is in neuroscience. That was the research I did in college. And so I remember just going, okay, let me go see, you know, why why are we doing this? Is there any anything to back this up? And so I just started reading different researchers and what was coming out on what was best for kids and how the brain grows and develops. And that's where I just saw the message over and over again that children need to play, that they are hardwired to explore, to use all of their senses in learning about the world around them, and that that is so rich. Mm. And so I set out when my kids were little to go, you know what? No, we are not going to stress about these skills. Kids will learn to read when they're ready to learn how to read, and trying to get a two-year-old to read or a three- or Mm four-year-old is not only sometimes not healthy for them, but it can just kill their love for learning and it gives mom so much stress. Right. And so that's when I'm like, okay, we're just, we're going to read good books. We are going to engage in play. And I just want a home where they, everything is integrated. So I didn't want my kids to go, oh, now we do school and then we put school on the shelf and then we go play and then we go to church. And I just, I wanted what we value to just be breathing throughout our home naturally. And so Mm. I didn't even call anything that we did school, which did backfire on me a couple of years later. we did a news interview. (laughs) I think my oldest was seven. I see where this is going. (laughs) And so it was the beginning of the school year and they wanted to showcase a homeschool family and we are the nutty people that will let the media into our home. And of course, at the end of the interview, they look at my seven-year-old son. They're like, what's your favorite subject in school? And I can see he's like, well, what do I pick? Is it math or spelling? Because at that point, that's the only thing that I called school. We would do 15 minutes of math and 15 minutes of phonics or spelling. And then we just lived life and learned. And and I'm just sitting there going, he can't decide between math or spelling. And they're just going to be totally shocked that those are his favorites. He just doesn't even know that anything else is school. Um, uh, but that that's what I wanted to pursue. And so I started speaking at homeschool conferences and just wanting to encourage and empower other parents because the pressure out there is so, so very real. It and, really is. And I love what I'm hearing. I want to back up just a little bit because at the very beginning when you talked about how you felt unsettled, um, I want to just stop there for a second because I think moms often ignore that feeling. Yeah. We let fear come in and overpower and um, kind of speak more loudly than this unsettled feeling we have. And what happens is we squash this mom instinct that God has given us. Yeah. Um, because he's, he's given us these children, particularly these children for us to raise and homeschool. And, um, and it's going to look unique, uh, compared to anyone else and 
And I think moms are just afraid sometimes to, they don't trust it. They don't, they're worried that they're going to, you know, uh, miss something or make a mistake. And I love that you said you paid attention to it and just basically said, I, what is this, you know, and you pursued, um, and as you pursued finding out more information, you found that your unsettled feeling was very, very valid. And so I just want to encourage moms out there, you need to take the time to really listen to what your mom heart, what God has laid on your mom heart for your kids. I remember when our kids were younger, um, I remember I would start to feel that pressure um, that homeschooling can bring. And um, I would ask myself, if I could homeschool in any however I wanted, like what I really feel like I want to do with my kids and no one else could tell me it was wrong. Like just no one else had to say, what would I do? And I knew immediately what I would do. And I think every mom needs to take the time to do that. Listen, God's going to give you a vision for your kids and a plan, you know, not probably a big long-term plan, except for just, you know, kind of the overall, this is what we're wanting. We want our kids to be lifelong learners, those kinds of things. We want our kids to walk with the Lord, those kind of basic main big things. But how that's all going to play out step by step is something we have to seek the Lord on. And I love that you took the time to do that and recognize that, um, he was speaking. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so with Go Global, so I did that during the preschool years. And then um, kindergarten, first grade, I was like, I want to jump into, I had this curriculum I wanted to use and it incorporated movement and play. And, and so I was like, yes, we're going to do this. And, uh, but it was just, it, it was geared at such a broad range of ages that I remember just struggling to personalize it. I'm like, okay. And then I realized that we were jumping ahead and that my kids, like I think one of the activities we were studying, uh, not hunters, we were studying Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett and tracking and trapping and it was really awesome. And one of the activities in the book said, okay, pull out a map and follow Daniel Boone's uh, journey through the West, through the Cumberland Gap. And so I went and pulled out a map and I'm like okay and I pulled my six-year-old over going let's go west through the Cumberland Gap and he's looking at me going west gap map what what are you talking about and so again the beauty of homeschooling is I looked at this and was like oh we don't we don't know where we're at like I right too abstract (laughs) (laughs) this is silly um and then I just started thinking going well but to do any of this these history things, it really helps if you sort of understand where you're at on the map and where other people are at. And and so that's where I embraced the beauty of homeschooling and we switched gears. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, no, we, this, this is, this is a foundation that I want to lay down. And so that's where I set out a plan going, okay, what's that going to look like? And right. how, how can we do that through things that I value, which is cuddling on the couch, reading copious amounts of books, mm-hmm. and then getting up and exploring. And then, so we, we like to do that. And then I like to just release my kids to bring what they're learning into their free play. Right. And that, oh my goodness, that is the sweet spot for moms because we can't be on all day, every day. We just That's can't. Right. That's not realistic. That's absolutely right. I totally agree. I think it's interesting because I, you know, with the eight kids, I just felt like I, like you said, I can't be on all day. I have 
other things that I need to do to keep my household from falling apart. Like I need to know people need to eat three exactly times a day. dinner. I need to know what we're doing for <laughs> dinner. So I, you know, arranged our routine just very similarly to what you're talking about, where there was um, the basics in the morning and then letting them take what they learned into their play in the afternoon um, or pursuing new interests if they had, right. if they had those. And um, that was just so freeing for me as a mom and my kids. And, and now as adults, you know, they give me feedback. Um, you know, now that they're in the work world and they're moms, um, they give me feedback and, and they're just constantly saying that how valuable that was to them. Yes. And so I, I just love this. So when you were at this point where you were uh, making these adjustments, how old were your kids? Let's see. Actually, they were five and a half, three and a half and 18 months. Oh, wow. So they were little. And so that's where I wanted something where I could help my oldest. Mm-hmm. And I wanted something where my other two weren't destroying the house. <laughs> right, right. You needed everybody engaged. Everybody had to be engaged. Right. Um, which, and that was the hard thing, is there just wasn't anything out there that included preschoolers and toddlers. Right, And right. so the curriculum that I was trying to help fit our lifestyle was geared for older kids. So kindergarten up through junior high. Right. And that's where it just, I was having to do so much work to reinvent it, to make it fit. That's when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing. And so I, I kept notes. And then we had so much fun with it that when I would speak on homeschooling in preschool or homeschooling in the early years and the power of play and incorporating our little kids people would ask, they're like, well, where do I get that curriculum? Because I would share examples. And <laughs> I was like, oh, someday, you know, I have yeah, Exactly. You just do it yourself. Just go get books from the library. Right. Um, Which is really intimidating like, to some of us. I'm, I'm one of those moms. To start out with, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so my mom took my notes two years ago because we both just love talking about these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And she fleshed it out. And then we really started working it into a curriculum guide that parents could use to just facilitate what does it look like to make your home a natural place where you learn, where you write books, you have conversations, and you unleash them to play. Right. That, that is, which is, that is just like the perfect combination. You've given them some things, and now you're sending them out, and they get to figure out what they're going to do with those things. And there's so much that happens when they have to do that. And I still am just completely flabbergasted that anybody thinks that a child can learn in the traditional classroom. Like that's the only place they actually can learn and do learn. And how many people actually believe that? It's such a I don't know. I, it just it just floors me because as I've over the years seen my kids outside and engaging in the ways that you're talking about, just think about how it's so much more rich and full and meaningful and they absorb it so yes. much better. Yeah, it's hard because it's so this idea of school is so ingrained. It into, is into our psyche. Um I mean, I even struggle with it, and I was pulled out halfway through first grade, so I have very little formal school experience. Right. Isn't that funny, though, how it still somehow 
it's so pervasive in our mm-hmm. culture. You mm-hmm. have this fear that you're going to mess your kids up or they're going to miss out on something. And, and yet every time I'm in a traditional learning environment, I'm just shocked at how little kids are learning. It's amazing, isn't it? I I read some of uh, John Holt's earlier writings, and what I appreciate about him, um, especially early on, is that he spent time observing children, but he would not observe them in the classroom. He would only observe them in an, a natural environment, in their natural environment, because he said they don't they don't act the same in a classroom setting. And I thought, oh my goodness, we are completely um, hijacking the whole, the way kids were created, the way God created kids and their natural um, bents and their natural ways of wanting to learn. It's getting completely like cut off. And I just, and and then to hear some of his observations of how kids learn is just, it's like you, like, I know you love this too. It's just so fascinating. And you mentioned to me a, a favorite author. Was it Elkind? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. So one of the favorite people that I've read is, um, David Elkind. Okay. And so he wrote several great books. Uh, one of my favorite for the preschool years is Miseducation, Preschoolers okay. at Risk. And so this book, he just, he lays out the research with why putting kids into formal preschool is detrimental to their, to their development right. as a whole person. Mm-hmm. And just the pressure that we were putting on kids. And I mean, gosh, I'm opening it up. He, this, that book was published in 1987. Okay. And the pressure in 1987 is nothing compared to the pressure cooker we're putting our kids into now. I couldn't agree more. Um, So I love that one. Another one I like is called The Power of Play, How Spontaneous Imaginative Activities Lead to Happier, Healthier Children. Mm -hmm. Wow. Those sound like two great resources. Yeah. So I read those a lot when my kids were little because I just needed that reminder that what I was doing was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I would get the people at church or whatnot like, oh, well, my child can count to 100. How high can your child count? And, right. <laughs> and my child can sing his ABCs and he's only 18 months old. And it, it took me a while before I could be comfortable. I wouldn't tell people this because you just, I didn't want to participate in the parent shaming. But in I my agree. head, I'd be like, Learning the ABC song is only valuable when they're ready to alphabetize, Heather. You're mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know? A lot of self-talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just, I needed to know because I love my kids and yes. I didn't want to mess them up. But yeah, I just didn't want them to feel that pressure to perform. And that's when, like, I started looking going, <gasps> Oh my goodness, in a traditional school environment and that kind of philosophy, it's a focus on skill building. Right. And skill building is very developmentally um, sensitive. So there are some kids that are going to be ready to sound out letters and start to read as early as four. We actually had a friend and their child spontaneously learned how to read at four. Right. Maybe even been three and a half. But like one of those super rare situations... And I had another friend look at it and she went home because her child was super smart too. And she did flashcards and then would physically discipline her child when her child would cry and not want to do their flashcards. And I tried to, oh, you don't need to do that. It's all developmentally hinged. And she just sort of looked at me, well, my child's smart like so-and-so, not like your child. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. I know. And then oh. For real? You just said that to me? Right. Um, and and it's interesting, too, because when you've been homeschooling long enough, you actually get to see the ramifications of yeah. the way of people's decisions and the way that they've decided to homeschool. And it can look vast and varied, but like what you're describing right there, um, there's just a it, that's just not okay, you know, and it, yeah. I think it's just interesting um, having known a lot of homeschooling families. I would say most of them turned out great because they were just, the, at least the ones I know, their kids are, you know, they're fine and all of that, but it's, it, it's, and they, we all did it a little bit differently, um, but I think it can be so tempting, um, you know, when you can't, when you don't have that hindsight. It, it can yeah. be so tempting to give in to um, worrying. And I think, again, it, it goes back to that mom's care. I mean, they care so much about their kids. Oh, and like you said, we don't want to fail them. We, you know, but at the same time, um, we have to remember that um, only God actually knows what it is that they need each step of the way. And he is faithful to uh, give us each step as we need to take it. We're not going to have, you know, step 15 when we're only at step two. You know, I always tell moms all the time, if your child's in second grade and you're worried about high school, please stop. Because by the time you get there, it'll, it'll, flesh itself out. God will, will, you know, so, um, wow. I'm sure that's a, what you just, the story you just described is a huge encouragement to the moms out there. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's grace when we mess up. Cause I think a lot of times with our oldest, we feel a lot of pressure. Yes. So I know my mom has regrets cause I was pulled out halfway through first grade. I wasn't learning how to read. And, uh, and so she just, she it took her a while to hit her groove. Mm-hmm, that's with right. How I needed to learn the fact that I was a late bloomer, and so she feels a little bad that she pushed me as much as she did. Mm-hmm. Whereas my youngest sister, I mean, when she noticed, oh, she's just not developmentally ready yet to read, and it's going right. to be okay. Right. And she can do third grade math in first grade and not be ready for phonics, and it's right. okay. Yes. And um. Yeah. And then to see later on, oh, she's, you know, a completely voracious reader. It's just she had her own timetable for doing it. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's happier with how she was more relaxed right. with my younger sister. But you know what? I turned out OK, too. Yes, you you certainly <laughs> did. You certainly did. I, I c- couldn't agree more that that um, we forget about the grace um, there yeah. is, God has so much grace. We do not need to dot every I and cross every T and have everything together. We just need to lean into him and trust him and just do the next right thing that he shows us to do. And he, yes. I promise you, he will work it all out. I have seen it for myself. I've seen it for other people. So just take a breath, moms, and relax and um and just you're learning as well along the way, you know, um, we as moms, we grow like you just described with your own mom. We grow in this journey as well, learning how to uh, do this better. And what I mean is by uh, being able to relax more and just enjoy the freedom that we have in homeschooling. So so let's hear the uh where you went from there. So you had these comparisons, you 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 settled finally into a groove So, yeah, and then, um, and we did it, and it was, we had such a fun year. Mm. Um, 
exploring there. And I just, I could not believe, I think what was so cool is to see how it was possible to aim at my oldest and yet bring my three-year-old and my 18-month-old along. And I will never forget when we were learning about Antarctica and we were, we found this funny book with just these hilarious poems about penguins. Mm. And it was so much fun because it wasn't a didactic lesson. It's not like I sat down and said, okay, we're going to learn about penguins today. Do you know what their predator is? And it just, they were, all of these concepts were woven into this poetry. And we read it. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I got to make dinner because my people need to eat. And I pulled out ice cubes and I had found these little penguin figurines at Michael's. And so I put the penguins out, ice cubes on trays. And I said, okay, you guys get to play penguins while I make dinner. Um, Because one of my big things that I tried to do when my kids were little is not use television as a babysitter, Mm -hmm. um, which can be challenging. But I knew that if I wanted my kids to engage in free play, and spontaneously bring stuff into their play that they needed to not have alternatives available. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Because by human nature, we go for the thing that takes the least amount of work. Right. So and, it yeah. just, that's where Watching it just... Watching a show doesn't take work. Playing exactly. a game, although there were no devices at that point. <laughs> right, right. Um, but... And so, yeah, so I just, I let them do that. And so they're in there playing and they put their ice cubes together for you know, icebergs. And so they're like taking care of the babies because my boys learned that the dads actually take care of the babies. And they thought that was really awesome. And, and so I, I hear that. And then I hear like a little thump, thump, thump up the stairs. And my 18 month old is going upstairs and I'm going, huh, do I need to be worried? I'm trying to quickly finish peeling the potatoes so I can go check when I hear him come back into the room and he had gone upstairs and he had remembered that we had a killer whale in one of our other toy bins. He went up and got the killer whale and he comes down. He's 18 months old. I was aiming nothing at him. I was just hoping he wouldn't color my. Right. (laughs) Um, He comes back in and he's like, I, the killer whale, and I'm going to eat you. (laughs) And he proceeds to terrorize his brothers. And I just remember going, I love homeschooling. Oh, my goodness. Where else would an 18 month old learn these things? Exactly. Um, and it's not, it wasn't forced. It was just so natural. No. And I, somebody described it when you're multi-level teaching, it's like riding on a bus and yes. uh, you let, you know, at some point you let the 18 month off, obviously long before the older kids, you know, so the 18 month get old gets off and then you go a little further and then the next one gets off and, you know, and it just, it, it makes it, and sometimes you have to let one off that is just having a bad day. It might be a little bit older, but it's time for them to get off. So you know? true. <laughs> And just let them off. Exactly. Just let them off and you'll, you know, it'll, they'll come back around and, you know, there'll be more teaching moments, but that's just not one of them. And I love that description because it was just so freeing to just open the door. Okay, you're done for now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what we were learning about the Revolutionary War a few years later. So that 18 month old was three and we had read about Patrick Henry And so I was just reviewing with my older two boys going, okay, so who said, give me liberty or give me death? And it was one of those mommy fail moments because they just gave me blank looks. And I'm going, we just read a book about this. (laughs) 
Meanwhile, my three-year-old has a little red pirate's jacket that he had put on, and he's carrying a pop gun over his shoulder to go outside and play because he had gotten off the bus. And he turns his head over his shoulder, and he says, Patwick Henry, and then marches outside. Oh, my goodness. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, ah. And, and yeah, I'm like, why am I making a didactic lesson and trying to drill my other kids? <laughs> right, exactly. That's so great. And oh, it. They just don't always regurgitate it on command. And is that whole idea of regurgitating on demand the, um, the standard? The standard that we yeah. want to aim for. Exactly. No. I that is so true. It really comes back to our expectations. And this is one thing I love about Go Global as I was reading through it. Um, you are really good about leaving reminders along the way. Don't expect this because you kind of know some moms might be expecting something that they shouldn't at this point in the lesson. And you give them the freedom to back off and just let right. it be what it's supposed to be. And I love that because I don't know that I've ever, there's very few curriculums out there that, that have those little reminders for moms to just relax and, and to kind of have a better idea of what to expect at that point. Um, because we just, we do, we end up putting unnecessary burdens by putting unnecessary expectations on ourselves and our kids. And so yeah. that's one of the things I love about, about this curriculum. But one of the things that another thing about it that I think is just so um, powerful is this whole idea of the power of play. And you've mentioned some um, benefits to it. Is there anything, uh, are there any other things about, you know, the, the, the power of play that you want to mention? Because I think it's because it's such a big part of Go Global. Um, right. Well, there's, there's three that I think are really important that I, I don't know if I've fleshed out well. Um, and that is that play engages the imagination. Mm -hmm. And when the imagination is engaged, a child's all in. Right. And so researchers talk about how play is a child's work. It is how they're working out what is real, um, what does it mean to be human, what does it mean to be in community. They're just, they're, they're playing around with what they've heard, what they've read, and making it meaningful. So when we engage the imagination and when we get bodies up and moving, that's what cements learning into long-term memory. Wow. That's powerful. Right. Wow. And so there's just, when we get up and move, our brain is engaged at a deeper level than if we're just sitting there. And so I love couch time where we just sit and read books, but that by itself is not as powerful as when you can blend it with, let's get up and do something right. related to what we've read about. So when you can blend great books with activity, that's when you just really um, put down roots and it right. makes an impact. Right. And so um, tell me the age, tell us moms, the age, kind of the age range for this particular curriculum. So this curriculum is geared for five to eight-year-olds and then any younger siblings. Love so it. it's, it's welcoming for your preschooler and toddler to join in, but it's not aimed at them. Um, 
So yeah, but again, there's just what we've done throughout is there's activities for everyone and then there's activities that might be a little more complicated. And so we'll put in there, you know, for six and up or for seven and up. Right. And so if you have a five-year-old that totally wants to do it, then you do it. But we're basically trying to give you a free pass. To go, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and I find it interesting because I honestly, as I've read through it, I feel like some of my boys, because boys tend to develop slower than girls. Some of my boys could have been as old as nine or 10 and still very much enjoyed what you have to offer. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, that's what when my mom uh, kept adding good things in. I'm like, oh, that's that's we we're upping the age level. So actually, it was supposed to be five to seven year olds. Okay. And then we just she kept adding really cool things. I'm like, oh, that's a little more nuanced and complex and a little more abstract. Let's up the age. And so yeah, it actually we've had families with nine and ten year olds who are using it. Right. The only thing we don't have is a whole lot of chapter books. So it really is focusing on picture books. Right, right. Give you a quick in and out so it's not high commitment. Right. Um, But what do you think about the idea? I just, this just popped in my head, you know, typical homeschooling mom, my gears are, gears are going here. Um, I'm thinking if you had some older kids, could you engage them as more like um, co-teachers? Yes. You know, where you could say, hey, I need you to find some chapter books on this thing that we're going to be studying with the younger kids. You know, you could have them do uh, something like that, or you could um, ask them for ideas, you know, things that they could um, add to to what you're doing. Or it's, I just find it interesting when we let our kids do take on a little more of a teacher role, they end up teaching mm. themselves is what ends up happening. They end up learning more than what's actually even there. <laughs> Which we know because in homeschooling, we are getting such an amazing education. Yes. Because we're, yeah, fully engaged in the process of learning and trying to share that with our kids. Exactly. I've actually had a lot of families where they have older kids, and so they'll assign assignments. And it's written in an open-and-go type way Mm -hmm. that, yeah, an 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old could absolutely open it up and do it with a younger sibling. So great. That's so great. Um, I was going to mention, too, one other thing that um, I really love is about about this is how clearly it's laid out. Like, it's just step by step by step by step, but not overwhelming. You know, yeah. that's, I mean, there's just, the, there is a fine balance there. It's really, uh, it's hard to find that. And I feel like you found that um, in Go Global and which is an incredible benefit uh, to moms who are, you know, just, they can, they can buy this or they can, they can acquire this, uh, this curriculum and know that it's full and rich and they're going to know exactly what they need to do you you uh, before the week begin the next week begins you have a list of resources so they are not caught off guard just resources that they need to gather and it's not overwhelming but it's very doable and I just think that's just such a blessing yeah well I have been there where it's getting to the store is a monumental yes exactly <laughs> Um, exactly yeah and too much is too much and that's overwhelming and so that's where we really sat engaged my two sisters um when we were in the process of writing this still had kids in that age range Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's tempting when our kids get older to add more in because older kids are capable of doing more. Right. Um, and I think our mom bandwidth increases because life is not as harried as when right. we have babies and toddlers. Right. I guess it's right. a different kind of busy. Yeah, it's a different kind of busy, but it's not the meeting those really basic demands, you know. Yeah, 24-7. Wipe, wiping behinds, changing yeah. diapers. Uh, yeah, um, I get my grandkids every now and then, and so I, I get to revisit um but I had to laugh the other day. This is just a funny little side note. I was uh, holding our not quite two-month-old grandson, and our three-year-old granddaughter proceeded to come over and tell me how I needed to take care of him. And <laughs> my daughter was just cracking up. <laughs> I was. She, she's like, she has no idea, Mom, what you what you've already done. But it was just so sweet because she was pretty sure that I didn't know everything that I was supposed to know about taking care of Will. So it was just so I precious. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you were talking. Let's get back to the um, power of play. And you, uh, uh, in my notes here. I'm just curious why uh, the power of play is especially important in the early years and how does a traditional mindset distract from true, true learning? You talk about, you talked about skills. Can you revisit that? Um, just a re to remind the, yeah. the moms of what you said about that. So it's something I tease out um, in the introduction to Go Global and that is recognizing that there's different areas of um, using our mind. Mm -hmm. And so there are academic skills, which are or academic learning, which is more skill based. And that would be your one, two, threes, your ABCs, those kind of things. Those are really hinged on where that particular child's brain is at. And it's mm -hmm. developmental and it's nothing that you can speed up. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. I think that's a that, super important uh, thing to know. Yeah. That child has a way they're wired. So you can't make it your hill to die on that your four-year-old is going to be reading mm -hmm. books by this time right. because that's so developmentally linked. You're going to frustrate your child and you are going to frustrate yourself. Right. But um, one other thing that I've heard, especially in the homeschool community, is this whole idea of, oh, you don't need to do anything in the early years. And, and that's not true either. And so there, the children have such a capacity to think and to explore. And so I call that intellectual development. Mm. And so recognizing that there is academic development, that's skill-based, and then there's intellectual development. And that is just encouraging your child to think and to explore and to be creative, um, to engage with stories. And so the beauty of play is that you're engaging the imagination, you're reading good books, and then you're taking it into the pretend realm, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is where your child is actually flexing their um, intellectual muscles right. of thinking things through and making connections. And so the beauty of learning through play is it's developmentally appropriate in that every child will engage it with where they're at. Right. Right. So I think, I think, you know, like when we talk about what they're doing at, you know, four or five, I know there was not 
there was little to no what I would call formal learning at our house with our kids when they were that age. But there were a lot of conversations. There was a lot of, you know, setting the table, helping with the dishwasher, you know, just sort of doing daily life together. And obviously, you know, we were reading and things like, you know, we'd read out loud, things like that. But it was very simple. And so in that sense, it, it, it could seem like we were doing nothing. It, it depends. Right. Define, define, define nothing. nothing. Yes. <laughs> because I feel like everyday life ha- is so rich and full of opportunities to teach our kids how to think, you know, right. just by asking lots of questions. And, you know, just things like um, sometimes when they, they look like they're going to do something and you're thinking, what are you, that it might not be something good. Instead of ju- jumping in and saying, no, don't do that, say, so what do you have in mind? What are you thinking about doing? And let them, because mm-hmm. so many times their minds are actually not not necessarily going to the destructive mode. They are going into some sort of creative mode and you yes. don't want to hijack that, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Take time before you step in. Yeah. Well, and dynamics are different. Like I was more intentional when my oldest was in that four and five range to mm-hmm. what kind of books was I bringing into my home? Right. Was I was I giving them interesting things to think about? Mm-hmm. And whereas when you have older kids and younger kids, the dynamic changes. And I actually talk to a lot of people who feel guilty that they don't do as much yes. with their yes. younger ones. But the benefit your younger ones have is that they're coming into a rich home learning environment already. Yes. And it's amazing how much the siblings will teach them. Yeah. Just and so you don't need to go out and do something super special and totally individualized. Exactly. For your younger ones, because they're just in an environment where they're learning. Yeah. it's so, like, But if you're struggling with an oldest going, what do I do? And I, I guess I'll park them in front of Curious George again, because we have nothing else to do with our time. That's when you go, oh, well, let's go get some interesting books from the library. Exactly. What is a place that we could go visit? And so, yeah, it's so nuanced and there's an ebb and a flow depending on what your home dynamic looks like. Exactly. That's exactly right. And we don't have to try to make our dynamic something that it's not you know I just sometimes feel like I I feel like that saying that um, school should revolve around life home life not home life around school so Mm -hmm. you're creating a a, an environment of you know a learning environment but it's it's not centered solely on curriculum and books it's it's life it's experiences it's going out together I mean when my kids were little it was going to the grocery store the library and the post office you know but they learned in all so much along the way they're always just you know just an example you know there's always a place usually at the post office where you have to wait in line and you know there's boundaries and you're so you're teaching them this is where we're supposed to stand and you know you know we need stamps to mail a letter I mean there's so much you can learn just from going to the post office and then they watch us interact with adults and they learn how to have conversations with people and so it's just busts the whole myth that homeschool kids don't know how to stand in line out of the water. Right. Because we go to the post office. We exactly. We stand in line <laughs> at the grocery store. <laughs> we just don't stand in line multiple times a day, every day. Exactly. Um, it becomes a waste of time. <laughs> so tell me, um, as we're talking about this, uh, 
you know, just the things we've talked about, the power of play and the um, not necessarily having a skills mindset, but just this uh, nurturing home environment. How is this freeing as a homeschool mom? Well, it's freeing because we realize we don't have to be on all the time. Right. That um, it's freeing because there it's really, really hard to replicate school at home, mm-hmm. especially when you have all these expectations of this is what it should look like. And, and so when you realize that your child is going to learn so much more cuddled up with you on the couch reading a book than an hour in a classroom environment. Exactly. You just go, oh, we just accomplished more in 10 minutes than most kids get in an hour at school which means that you can turn them loose to go play in the backyard guilt-free. Amen. That is so true. I have talked to numerous uh, teachers who are not teaching anymore but homeschooling their kids, and they have told me over and over and over again the amount of ta- learning time, actual learning time that happens in the classroom is, is a small fraction of the number yeah. of hours that they are there, which, again, that's freeing because that basically yeah. says, okay, like you just said, in, in these few minutes, my, my child absorbed, took in, and learned more than most kids do in an hour or two. And yes, you have that freedom to let them go play. And then they concrete those things. Those things become um, part of who they are because they've had the opportunity to go out and, and play, add play to that mix. And, right. Um, wow. That's just Yeah, really I'm actually... Amazing. And this was brought home uh, just a little bit ago. I'm teaching a homeschool class this year for Go Global. And I I did it so there would be accountability. So I would really just pour into my youngest and and as a favor to a friend. And I just, I was so, I was reminded all over again of the power of our homes Hmm. and the power of one-on-one teaching because I planned out like, okay, I have three hours with these kids. I put together my plans of what we were going to do. And I was so excited. I walked in and I, we did about a third of it. Mm. And I don't even know if anybody remembers anything. And that was so frustrating. (laughs) And I came home going, thank God for kindergarten teachers, because I am not designed to be one of them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I sat with my daughter on the couch. We cuddled and we read two books together and it was so peaceful. She learned so much. And we just sat there and talked and we lingered over these books and we pointed things out and things she was noticing. And it was so natural. I didn't teach her anything. But because of that one-on-one environment, we were able to just have this rich conversation. And I remember just walking away from that day going, what we can do in our own homes. Mm blows everything else out of the water. It really does. It really does. And I love that, you know, that that word linger. It just resonates with me because I think when we're in those scenarios where this all this goodness is happening, um, to remember to to not run to the next thing. But to yeah. stay there in that moment because those are the moments that you're you're that are the most meaningful. And they're also the ones that you're going to look back on when it's all said and done and just be so glad that you weren't in a rush 
you know, and I yeah. think this is one of the reasons I'm encourage always encouraging moms not to over schedule and to keep margin in their day. So you have the freedom to linger and to just be with your child. And it's that kind of thing that really makes those heart connections because it's not just right. about learning. It's not just oh, about the education. Of your book. It's, it's living an unhurried life so you can enter into the beauty of these everyday moments that spontaneously erupt. You can't predict them. You can't. You can't plan them. You can't schedule them. And when they happen, they are just so beautiful and they fill they your soul and they give and your kids' souls and they and they give you that um you know they give you that that energy to move on, to keep moving forward, to keep doing what you're doing. And so why yeah. sacrifice those when those are the things that actually are going to feed you and feed your kids and give you what you need to keep moving forward with this homeschooling journey. Yes. I love that. So is there anything else that you wanted to mention when it comes to the freedom, this, this whole um, approach being so freeing for homeschooling moms? Um, <laughs> that it's, it becomes the more you step into this, it becomes a lifestyle. Right. And so at the beginning, it's going to be hard because you're discarding this notion of what learning looks like. Exactly. And the more that you step into it, it just, it comes out naturally. So right. You don't have to work at it. Your kids don't have to work at it. That's So that's I have beautiful. had people see my kids and they're like, how do you get your kids to do that? And I'm like, turn off the television. Don't give them an iPad. Enjoy life. <laughs> right. Be together. Actually be there. Be engaged. Yeah. And it's amazing. Kids, um, I know my kids at least, and I, I wonder sometimes if my kids are, you know, just vastly different than other kids or not, but, or because most of them were boys, um, they tended to really have a need to be the initiators of their learning. So um, mm. I had a mom ask me once when I told her that I homeschooled um, how many hours I lectured a day. <laughs> right? <laughs> I just, I had no words. I, I didn't know how to respond. Um, the first thing that came to mind was zero, and which is pretty much what I ended up telling her. I, I lectured zero hours a day, except if they did something wrong, then they got a lecture. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I would love to be able to say zero, but I launch into lectures and it never goes well. I Exactly. And I think that's, you know, I, I've had that happen so many times where I would start going down that road and I look at their faces and it's clear, so clear that this is not the direction we're supposed to go. <laughs> Nobody's winning here. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, all that to say, it's just, um, it is, it's freeing. And I love the way you're, you're describing this, you know, you just practice and you just, you just take that leap and start going this direction. If you're not already, um, hopefully if you're going this direction, you're, you're feeling a lot of affirmation today because, um, I just, it's just such a beautiful thing and so freeing. And I think that's one thing that I just want homeschooling parents and families to experience. It's just the freedom that we have. And, um, and so much of it has to do with, you know, like you said, putting aside that notion of the way it's supposed to look and being open to however God leads. And I think God leads us a lot through our kids. You know, we, we watch yeah. them. We see 
how they're responding. We see what they're interested in. I used to just sit back and I call it being a, a student of my child, you know, just even while the kids were playing or when they're doing an activity or they're working on a project, I would just sit back and watch them. And it was amazing how much I learned just by observing, you know, and I think, but again, we've got to have the time to do that. So we've got to have margin in our day and um, play in the afternoon provides so much of that for me. Um, and a habit of margin is so crucial. It in really fact, is. I, my, I have one in high school, one in, I have two teens, so 13 and 15. And I'm having to really fight the urge to over schedule them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's just too many good things out there. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. But one of my favorite things that I loved about my high school experience was that my parents protected our schedule and we still had time to linger. And so even though it didn't look like play in the sense that it did when we were little, yep, it gave us time to explore our own interests. It gave us time to think and ponder. And the mm-hmm. high school years are really where you're owning, like, what do you believe? Yes. What do you think about life? And those take time and we need to have time to linger and... And so that's the beauty of the power of play and embracing this slower way of living and learning is that it it looks different as our kids get older, but it's still that time is needed and that idea of lingering and playing around, even if it's in the realm of playing with ideas. Exactly. That is so true. I can completely confirm that as we've had, you know, six kids. Well, I've got one in high school still um, and then an eighth grader. But um, but all the other six who are graduated, um, they all just so appreciated that even in high school, we gave them margin. And, and to this day, none of them run like crazy when it comes to a schedule. Like, they don't like that. They're not comfortable with that. They know how to give themselves that margin in their day. So it, it, it really has a ripple effect into their adulthood. Yes. And we want our kids to be thoughtful and mindful and aware and be able to process and all of that um, because they really need to be able to do that as adults because look at our world. It's just, it's moving so quickly. And um, I was actually having a conversation with our almost 19 year old the other day and he'd been struggling with, um, with focus and, and really feeling kind of down about it. And so we got to talking about, you know, what was his schedule looking like? And he had already recognized that he needed to create more margin in his days. And because he mm. grew up knowing that, like that's part of who he is as an adult, he can go back to that. And, um, and I think that's just such a gift to give to our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One thing that you said, and it's in my notes here, it says, um, and I love this statement, when we realize that we are just facilitating learning by introducing our kids to good stories and idea and maybe an activity or two, but then freeing them up to explore this on their own by taking these ideas into their free play. I think that's such a great synopsis of everything we've talked about today. Yes. You know, just a simple, this is the, this is the framework that you're working from. Yep. And, we um, do something, but we don't do everything because we want perfect. our children 
<laughs> to engage and do it. Yes. Oh, that is, that's great. Well, Heather, I am just so thankful for you. I'm thankful that you were here today. And I'm wondering if you can tell the moms how to connect with you and what you share with me. I will make sure that I put in the podcast notes so they can go check out everything. But what's the best way for them to connect with you? Let's see. The best way to connect with me would probably be social media. So, okay. um, I have on Instagram, we, the homeschooling in the earlier years we have on, uh, at our cultivated learning account. So okay. at cultivated learning on Instagram, uh, the same thing for Facebook. And then you can find us at cultivatedlearning.org. Okay. Okay. Awesome. That is wonderful. And um, I'm wondering, I'm kind of putting you in the hot spot here, but wondering if we could do a giveaway of Go Global for one of the moms who's listening. Sure. Would that be okay? Yeah. Um, I All you have to do, um, moms, is to leave a comment at the bottom of this podcast on my website. Don't leave it on the um, you know, on Podbean or anywhere else. Just go to my website and leave it there, and I will. the winner will be notified via email probably in a couple of weeks. Um, so I'm just so, so thankful for you. Thank you again, Heather, for being with us today. So thank you for having me. This was fun. Oh, awesome. All right. We're going to go ahead and pray over these moms before we get off here. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for Heather and just the um, the wisdom that she has shared today, her experience, Lord, the knowledge, Lord, the things that um, are just, I believe, so helpful to us as moms as we're um, journeying through this 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 homeschooling we're walking through this homeschooling journey lord i just thank you that you send people at just the right time to equip us for what you put to do um, in front of us lord and so i pray that moms would be um, greatly encouraged today lord that you would help them to really uh that you would just cast a vision for them, Lord, that they would see how they can experience more freedom in their homeschooling, Lord. Show them what the next right thing to do is, Lord. We thank you for the freedom that we actually do have in homeschooling. And I pray that every mom listening would um, begin to experience that more and more and more, Lord. We thank you for your goodness to us, um, and we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.